right, welcome back to the big program. Uh, we welcome in our Wednesday co-host, uh, David Schlemko, 9 to 11 every Wednesday, uh, powered by Cougar Paint and Collision, our family helping your family for over 40 years. Uh, Cougar paintandcollision.com. Actually, it's just cougarcollision.com if you want to check out the website. Uh, Schlemmer, welcome in to the uh, 1440 Studios. How was the week? Uh, what did you get up to? Week was good. Yeah. Um, not too much. Just a little family weekend, and uh, probably watched a little Ryder Cup. I would imagine. I pretty much watched every <laughs> shot of the Ryder Cup. I'm not gonna lie. Okay. I'm okay. Big golf guy here. So yeah, you are. So what about the putt that uh, Ricky Fowler conceded to Tommy Fleetwood? Where were you with that? Unbelievable. Yeah. I was losing it on my couch. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. Um, after watching every shot all weekend, and you know, kind of the disappointment and. Mm-hmm. Not much of a match until uh, until the single Sunday there, and then yeah. the U.S. is making a charge, and you don't think it's going to come down to those last two matches. And I mean, looking back, I guess it didn't with Spieth making the tie there, but that hadn't happened yet. Yeah, so coming down to those two guys, and I don't know if he didn't know the situation. I mean, he should have, mm-hmm. but I thought it was ridiculous. What about there were a lot of antics. Um, both on the course, off the course, uh, you know, we saw, you know, between Rory McIlroy and, you know, and Patrick Cantley talking about no lid and all this stuff. Yeah. Like, well, have you ever golfed without a hat, first of all? I have not. <laughs> I mean, I, <laughs> I mean, props to JT and Xander for kind of having Cantley's back there mm-hmm. with the with the no lid. But, I mean, it, it looked like they were struggling a little bit uh, with the sun <laughs> there on Sunday. So, <laughs> I mean, good support, but I think it'd be a little bit tough to play without a hat. I mean, he said it didn't fit. I think uh, they're trying to downplay a lot of the the media reports there with the money thing, but uh, yeah, I'm not sure. You know, it's funny. Those guys get fitted, you know, for every piece of clothing, every hat possible. You know, they're they're in change rooms. They're getting, uh, does this jacket a little too tight? Is this, do you like the sleeve length on uh, the short sleeves on this? I don't know. I don't know if I buy that, that the hat didn't fit. I'm sure there was time to maybe... Uh, get a seamstress in there, maybe loosen it up a little bit. Maybe they could have got one of the the, the uh, our new uh, fourteen forty hats with the back uh, where it's a little adjustable. You like the new fourteen forty hats you got there too? Yeah, it's a nice little snapback here. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I don't know. Cantley does look like he has a pretty big dome on him, yeah. so I don't. Maybe we'll give him the benefit uh, what, of the doubt. He played pretty well. He did. Yeah, he he was the best player on the United States, I think, and obviously Rory McIlroy was the best. Every time I I look at uh, uh, Stuart Sink when he takes his lid off. Man, that is that <laughs> is a wild cue ball, yeah. and I mean, that, he he reminds me like if you were if you were playing pool, like he's he's probably the nine ball with that stripe right across the side there. That maybe not the nine ball could be another ball, but man, that <laughs> is some wild wild uh, hat tan for sure. It is pretty white. Um, oh. Also, got to give it out to Victor Hovland. Honestly, yeah. I think he was the best player on Team Europe. Oh, do you? okay. I you do. don't think Rory was. I thought Rory was really okay. good too, but I thought Hovland was just attacking pins pretty much every hole. He was unbelievable. Uh, text coming in. How do I get a 1440 hat? Well, we're going to have to run some kind of a contest here. I think Duke. What do you think, Duke? 
the hats are a hot commodity right now. We're get, making sure we get uh, you know all of our in-house folk look after, uh, including David here. He's got his. Uh, we'll probably hook Laddie up with one tomorrow, I think. And then after that, yeah, it's going to be a matter of maybe we'll have a couple to uh, hand out at Thursday and Monday night football games when Connor and I are on location at Canadian Brew House. We got Gregor's mm-hmm. Pizza Pig out next yes. week. You're going to be at Century Casino. I think I'll probably be there as well with you. Um, no shortage of opportunities to uh, make sure all of our Loyal listeners are decked out in our, our first round of swag. Yeah. 1440 gear. We're going to bring a couple of lids. Duke and I will uh, bring a couple of lids to the uh, Century Casino Sports Bar on uh, Fort War- Fort Road next Saturday for the Oilers uh, home opener watch party. Uh, I'll be hosting it along with the Duke of Delburn. Starts at about 738. Uh Oilers, Canucks, uh, we'll have prizes on site, things like that. Uh, the coolest one will be the Edmonton Zamboni Cooler. Uh, you can go to our website, sports1440.ca, for more uh, information. So, uh, Schlemmery, when you were driving in, you heard the, the interview that we had on with Al Sim, Red Deer Minor Hockey Association Commission. Um, what were your thoughts when you heard his comments about, you know, the Chiefs logo and, you know, moving forward with Red Deer Minor Hockey? I like that they're moving forward with the Chiefs logo. Um, I don't know, in my opinion, like you, I think they did it the right way, mm-hmm. right? Like you said, they were transparent and they went out and they made sure they have the history right and they kind of paid homage to it, right? Um, in my opinion, every a little bit of this stuff's getting a little bit politicized with yep. the activists and that. I know there's a lot of people that aren't happy with the Eskimos going to the Elks, so... I don't know exactly where I stand on it. I'm not super educated on mm-hmm. the, the indigenous history behind all these name changes, but um, I I appreciate the way that they went about it. We've seen many uh, across the United States, and then you see, like in Chicago, Blackhawks say, we will never, ever change our logo. Uh, I shouldn't say logo. We will never change our name. Um, but I w- it was interesting to hear uh, Al Sim talk about it with Willie Littlechild about their logo. Well, this has to change. Right. This is okay. This looks good uh, in the sense it's part of our tradition, part of our history. So again, the transparency is the, that's the number one word. We never, we never as a, as a media person, as a fan with the Elks, uh, in town here, yep. never saw it. There were rumblings. You could hear this and that. Uh, well, we're going to talk about it uh, in this sense to whomever. We're getting a point of view from up here. Uh, then you'd hear someone up, uh, you know, in the Inuit community go, we're fine with it. We're fine. And then you'd hear one person say, well, no, we're not. But the transparency wasn't there. And I think that's all the texts that are coming in to our text line. I think that's the number one word um, that, I think show disappointment with what happened here, uh, with what happened with maybe other other changes. Um, I, I th- just think it's great that Red Deer uh, is is bringing in Treaty Six, Treaty Seven. They're showing their ability to uh, look to the past and then look to the future all at once. And I just wanted to read one one other part that uh, Al sent me on that, and that was a key part of our conversation with Al Sim. Um, in the sense that um, it was about the past. Uh, I got to find it. Where are you? Uh, There it is. So uh, basically what he said was um, 
1967, in our centennial year, Red Deer Minor Hockey's Earl Chadwick, uh, with the permission of Chief John Sampson, adopted the Chief's name and logo as a tribute to the Indigenous community and their rich cultural heritage on the Treaty 6 and 7 land that we play on. Since then, the Red Deer Minor Hockey Chiefs have strived to maintain a strong connection with the Indigenous peoples of the area. And then when he had the discussion with Willie Littlechild, and Willie Littlechild said, the Chief said, well... Hey, if it was good enough for Chief John Sampson, I think we can work with this moving forward. I don't think if it were the same as 1967, they wouldn't look at that aspect, but they looked at it moving forward and went, this is, this is okay. So. All right. Well, it's a tribute, right? Yeah. And they're paying respect. I think, I don't know, in my opinion, it's just a little too much woke stuff going Mm -hmm. on and pressure and activists and uh, I like that they were transparent I like that they're uh, you know making a tribute uh, text coming in uh, we wanted to kind of switch gears here just wanted to touch on that because I know you were listening it on the way him way in uh, you mentioned uh, David Schlemko is our 9 to 11 co-host here on Sports 1440 uh, where do you sit on I guess Jay Woodcroft's comments yesterday the fact that uh, he still considers that the Oilers starting goaltender on opening night if it is a big deal to you is kind of still an open competition where do you sit with that Schlemmer? I think it's a great problem to have honestly um, you know Campbell he's proven he's he's a good goalie he mm-hmm. is I mean he was great in Toronto he had a tough year last year I mean, and that happens with goalies Skinner comes in has an unbelievable rookie year now you got a 1A, 1B situation. I think it's a great problem to have. Um, well, I was listening coming in. Um, like you said, you go with the hot hand during the regular season. Come playoff time, whoever's got the hot hand, you're probably going to roll with them. And, uh, yeah, I, th- I think that's a great problem to have. I think we're getting way ahead of ourselves. But if you ever get to that stage, and let's just say it is a 50-50 split or ballpark in that area, and you get to the playoffs, as a teammate as a forward as a defenseman do you care that you're just going to go with one guy or do you say you know what we went with two guys all season I don't care if someone comes in in game three or game two or you're going one one or two two whatever what's the thought process on that as a former player oh that's a tough question honestly um, I honestly think you probably want to ride the hot hand in the okay. playoffs. It's it's what you're used to, especially as a D-man going back for pucks and dump-ins. You, you kind of get used to the way the goalie's going to play the puck. Mm-hmm. You know, you get used to the way he's talking to you in front of the net. So I'm kind of of the opinion that you go with one guy in the playoffs. Okay. Uh, when you look at, you mentioned playing the puck, watching Oiler games last year. Do you think there's one guy that's way better playing the puck, uh, communicating? I shouldn't say communicating because they're, they're, the goaltenders all communicate. Is there one goaltender, Skinner or or Campbell, that has a little bit of an edge in that sense to make the decision back there? Um, not really. It's pretty that, close, isn't that it? That I've seen, yeah. yeah. I mean, I've, I've played with some pretty good puck handling goalies, like Carey Price, Mike Smith, and... I played with some pretty bad ones too. <laughs> I won't mention. Any Come names. on, who are the bad? Who are the bad ones? <laughs> uh, Ilya Brzezgalov is probably the worst. 
oh. you'd be doing pretty good if you get out and stop a rim for you. <laughs> but, uh, no, I don't see a huge difference between them playing the puck, honestly. Uh, that is going to be a segment to Ilya Brzezgalov uh, coming up. One of these, we could probably go 20 minutes on that, right? Yeah, he's an interesting dude. <laughs> uh, he is an interesting dude for sure. Uh, Oilers in action tonight. Calgary Flames in town. Oilers 3-2-1 and one in the preseason so far. Seattle is here on Friday. Um, and then uh, the regular season starts next Wednesday. Uh, I talked to you on the phone yesterday in the afternoon. Did you get a chance when you were driving back, uh, driving the kids around to get a, a little bit of a, a look-see in on the Jays and, and Minnesota Twins uh, game one? I did so, yeah. I actually watched most of the game. <laughs> um, a little disappointing. Um, you know, we, we left some runners in scoring position there last night. Uh, Bichette getting thrown out in the fourth. Uh, you didn't like that one? I mean, it, it ended up being a pretty easy out. I do like aggressive base running, but uh, it, it seems to kind of be the story of the Jays this year. Mm-hmm. It's leaving runners in position and out hitting teams and kind of not getting it done. Well, we are going to expand on that when we come back. Uh, after the break, we'll hook up with uh, John Bonas from Twins Daily. Uh, posted an article this morning regarding uh, Royce Lewis. We've been talking about him all morning. We'll check in with uh, John Bonas when we come back on the Kevin Carey Show with David Schlemko on Sports. Sports 1440. All right, welcome back to the big program. Kevin Carries, David Schlemko on Sports 1440. We're going to talk a little Blue Jays baseball in a moment with John Bonas from Twins Daily. Um, so you watch a little bit of the game, and then what did you think of the atmosphere, Dave? I mean, everyone was talking about, you know, afternoon game in Minnesota. The Twins had lost 18 in a row in the playoffs. You kind of got the feeling that the you know target center wanted to explode what do you think of the atmosphere there yesterday afternoon i thought it looked awesome honestly like you said uh 18 game yeah 18 Winless. losses i in think a row. that was the the longest playoff streak out <laughs> yeah. of the four major sports so yeah i think they're excited it was a great atmosphere um and then phillies at night had a great atmosphere for the marlins you caught a little of that absolutely yeah, uh, Philly fans are always pretty passionate. Uh, not always classiest, but <laughs> makes for a good atmosphere. You know, uh, Phillies fans, <laughs> Eagles fans, Flyers fans. Uh, but we saw that was really cool atmosphere yesterday at the Target Center. Time now for our playoff report brought to you by Mr. Lube. Uh Stop in now for an oil change. Uh, No appointment necessary. Be winter ready at one of their nine Edmonton locations, mrlube.com. We welcome in John Bonas from Twins Daily. John, just to make sure I got your pronunciation of your last name correct. It's actually bonus. Bonus, uh, okay. You know, like, uh, Christmas, like Christmas bonus, yeah. Ah, oh, gotcha, man. Love it. Christmas bonus uh, from Twins Daily. So, John, you had the article this morning posted about Royce uh, Lewis. We've been talking about him all morning, the former number one draft pick, and uh, you likened it to, in your article to the the natural field of dreams. Uh, just give uh, <laughs> our listeners a little take on your article and, and what was the, the premise and, and the concept of it this morning. Yeah, I mean, well, what we saw from Royce Lewis, uh, or what I think the nation or the baseball world saw from Royce Lewis yesterday, is what Twins fans have been seeing from Royce Lewis off and on now for two years. Uh, you know, this is a guy who, you know, missed all, you know, 2020. Everybody missed 2020 because COVID. And then 2021, he missed the whole season with a knee injury. He missed all of 2022 with the same knee injury, a new one he had. Uh, you know, we saw a, a brief introduction of him and he looked better than anybody expected uh, for about a month and then had the same knee injury 
and he comes back this year and he you know, seemingly hasn't lost a step. Uh, what he'd be doing would be remarkable for any rookie, but what he seems to be doing for uh, after really not having played for almost three years, the last mm-hmm. time we saw him watch him play a full season was in high A, it's just been crazy. But there's a reason he was a number one pick for sure. Uh, he's showing that, as we're guesting uh, with uh, John Bonus from the Twins Daily. Uh, we're seeing that now. Um, and then, but even for me, I, I, for him to be hurt the last couple of weeks of the season, just to come back off the IL, amazing. Yeah, like I said, that is what we've seen time and time again with him. You know, when he when he, you know would started in Triple A last year, made, jumped from High A to Triple A. Mm-hmm. You know, after his first knee injury. Uh, you know, tore it up in AAA and then tore it up in the, the uh, majors for about a month. Uh, as soon as he uh, came back this year, uh, as soon as he was promoted here, he not only could hit, but he seems to hit in the big moments. He had a groin injury for about uh, five weeks earlier this mm-hmm. year as well. Uh, immediately came back in hitting. And then you know, yesterday what you saw was you know, both him and Correa and the Buxton actually were all three, you know, on the IL. There were questions about every, any, how many of them would be available for the playoffs. Only two of them are Buxton isn't. Uh, Correa and and uh, and uh, Lewis come back, and Lewis is the one who's immediately performing. Correa looks a little bit rusty in his first couple of at bats, but Lewis is already right back to where. Providing more than anybody could expect. For sure. Kevin Carius, David Schlemko, Sports 1440. Our guest is John Bonus from Twins Daily. Uh, David's got a question for you in a second, but uh, John, I just wanted to, you kind of did what we like up here is the uh, four stars, three stars. You mentioned number four star in your article was Michael A. Taylor. I had him up a little higher, though. I had him up a little higher. He he made a couple of great defensive plays and really, really looked good in that uh, Twins outfield. What was your take on Taylor's play? I thought Michael Taylor was unbelievable, to be honest with you. Uh, you know, the, listen, when you get to these postseason games, yep. I, what you've got here are two very, very evenly matched teams. And it comes down to, you know, sometimes it comes down to somebody making a play at the right time, making a big play that you know, don't necessarily expect. I was at there yesterday. I got to tell you, both of those play, both of those catches he made in center field, mm-hmm. I thought he had no chance at. And that's something the Twins fans have grown somewhat accustomed to in center field. But that's because Byron Buxton was roving there, Tory Hunter was roving there. You know, mm-hmm. Kirby Puckett back in the day. Uh, you know, Taylor has provided all of that defense all year, and he's uh, he's he was a, a big difference maker for the Twins yesterday. John, the, uh, the Twins did a real good job making some adjustments to uh, Gosman last night or yesterday afternoon there, um, laying off the low stuff, laying off the split fingers. Uh, do you see any kind of a game plan for them against uh, Jose Barrios today? Well, that's a good question. I mean, they certainly know Barrios as, in, as well as anybody, right? <laughs> that's, where, uh, that's where he came from. They right. had him here for, I don't know, nine, ten years. Uh, probably uh, between his time in the minors and his time uh, in the majors, um, uh, you know they've had some they've, they've had some luck against Gaussman. Uh, they faced him twice earlier this year. One time didn't go as well for them. One time it did. I also noticed that you know while they will often in the past when they started versus Gaussman, they will often start a lot of right-handed hitters mm-hmm. because he's kind of known as somebody with reverse splits. But right. This year, I think it's leveled out a little bit, and you saw what you saw when they load the first five batters with uh, with left-handed hitters. 
Well, then of course it was the right-handed yep. that did all the damage, Royce Lewis. <laughs> but, um, you know, it, it was it was a good strategy versus Gosman. I just, you know, ultimately, it still came down to one guy making big plays at just the right time. Our guest on the Kevin Carey Show with our Wednesday co-host, David Schlemko, is John Bonus from Twins Daily. So, uh, John, how do you uh, look at game number two today? Uh, Sonny Gray, would you say that he's been the Twins' most consistent pitcher this year? I mean, Lopez had a great season as well. Uh, you know, Joe Ryan's been inconsistent. But what can we expect from uh, Sonny Gray today? So Sonny Gray has been the, t- the team's most consistent pitcher. What we've seen from him lately is him going a little longer in games than uh, he was going earlier in the season. Um, and actually, I, I want to check that a little bit. Sonny Gray has been probably the most consistent pitcher overall. His ERA is 2.89 or something like that. He's been excellent, right? What he has struggled with this year at various times is walks. He ended up uh, through, well, I'd say most of May and June, maybe early July, he was putting too many guys on base. Now, he's a good enough pitcher to wiggle out of that a lot of the time. Uh, but, you know, he was walking a lot of batters and then occasionally, you know, giving up some big hits that would lead to some big innings. Uh, we'll see if he's past that. He has been past that for the last uh, month or two. He is a bulldog. He's got a bulldog mentality. I'll be honest with you. I think if you're a Twins fan, you've got to be happy about him being on the mound for a clinching game because he's somebody that, you know, listen, there's a lot of euphoria in Minneapolis today because they won their first game and play postseason game in 20 years. They ended the over 18 streak. Like it's easy to, to kind of forget there's another game today at three 30 uh, for, for twins fans and for twins players. Uh, Sonny Gray is not somebody who's going to overlook that. He's mm-hmm. just a bulldog. He's got that mentality. I think that's who they probably want on the mound. So what is the atmosphere like in Mini right now? Is the whole city kind of rallying around the team? I know it's usually more of a hockey city, but uh, what's that like? Yeah. I mean, it's a hockey city and it's a football city. Yeah. Um, oh, you know, baseball has become more and more popular <laughs> here, but, but the truth is, is that you know it's not number one. And I will be honest with you, I think there was a lot of skepticism about the Twins prior to yesterday. I mean... Again, we've got a football franchise that has never won a Super Bowl, always seems to find a way to lose, and that mentality has uh, definitely shifted into other sports, Mm -hmm. and the Twins are no exception to that problem or to that issue, I guess. It's been 30 years since they won a World Series. Uh, It's a long time. It's been 20 years since they won even a postseason game. They had the longest losing streak in not just baseball history, but all of professional sports history. There's no other team in, in North American professional sports that had lost 18 straight postseason games before yesterday. So there were tickets available for four, five, six dollars yesterday. It wow! Wow! That's getting award. But you can find you can find tickets for less than ten bucks on the site. Now, eventually, it sold out. It yeah. was uh, pretty close to sell sold out. Um, so what I saw last night was, you know, I saw. But twins fans in the stands crying like it's been mm-hmm. twenty years, guys. Yes. Like I just, I, I, you can't tell you how there's a lot of lot of people in that stadium who weren't alive the last time the twins won. Yeah, this is the first time they've seen it. So, and so I, I'd say what you got with the twins and probably their fans and such have to be a, a worried about most today is just a hangover, maybe literally yeah. uh, you know, as much for sure. Yeah, so. Uh, text line open one eight three three four zero one fourteen forty. Is the Jays' season over? Is it the last game today, or will we see a game number three? John Bonus is with us from uh, Twins Daily. Um, 
John, Edward Julian, the Canadian, came up with one of the three call-ups. Taylor was uh, another one of them, Walner as well. But what has Edward Julian, the Canadian, meant to the Twins since his call-up? Oh, I mean, he's been... He, uh, I gotta say that this team, when you go to spring training and you cover a team, there are names or people that you can see everybody in the clubhouse and the coaching staff and such are a little more excited about than you expected. Mm-hmm. And Julian was in that camp right from the middle of February. Julian was had that little asterisk next to his name, I think, for anybody that was covering the team. Yeah. And what he meant is, you know, a he, along with Lewis and along with uh, Matt Walner, uh, has represented a, a surge in offense for a team that really struggled offensively the first half of this season. Uh, at the All-Star break, this was not a good offensive team. That, that was their biggest problem. After the All-Star break, they've been the second best, scored the second most runs in the American League. Mm-hmm. And the difference in that is because before the All-Star break, they were counting on Buxton and Correa and veterans that had kind of flamed, or that were either hurt or flamed out. And afterwards, they could count on these rookies that have come through. Julian, at the top of the order, uh, here's how good he is. Uh, people don't talk about Luisa Rice as much as they used to around here. Mm-hmm. Because Julian had, came in, hit second base, took over the leadoff spot, and keeps getting on base. And, by the way, adds in some dimensions of power that, that Luisa Rice just didn't have. So uh, Julian has been, I I expect a long career for Julian as a Minnesota twin. They're very high on this kid. Yeah, they they sure are. And he's really tilted the the lineup up uh, at the top of the order for sure as uh, John Bonus of Twins Daily is our guest. John, I wanted to give you my, if I were John Schneider today, this would be my game plan. See what you think. So I would start Jose Barrios. If he doesn't pitch lights out, I'm going right to Yusei Kikuchi to flip the Twins yep. lineup, bang, get all those left-handed bats uh, out of there. If Kikuchi goes whatever, then I'll go to Chris Bassett. I don't care. Um, see right. what happens down the road tomorrow. Play tomorrow, tomorrow, see what happens today. Uh, were you surprised at the way Schneider kind of – it took him a while to get those left-handed bats out of the Twins lineup. Where do you see the kind of cat-and-mouse chess game going in that sense today? Yeah, I was wondering about that. I'm wondering about that myself, too. I agree with you, actually. I would be. I would not be shocked at all if Barrios has a very short leash, even regardless of whether mm-hmm. he has success or not. Yeah. The Twins have really struggled against left-handed pitching this year, gentlemen. Yeah. Uh, that has been their weakness the entire season. It's one of the reasons why, as Twins fans who were following the team, they were kind of looking towards the Blue Jays as a team that might be one they would you know, rather face in the American League. You've got a very right-handed rotation. You've got a pretty right-handed bullpen, although a couple of really nice left-handed pitchers, don't be wrong. And you've got a right-handed hitting lineup for the most part, right? Mm-hmm. That yeah. meshes well with the Twins. And the Twins, uh, the twins had, were pretty sure they'd face three right-handed pitchers in the three-game series yeah. between Bassett and Gaussman and uh, Barrios. Um, but that does allow you to use Kikuchi as a weapon, yep. you know, a mid, mid-inning weapon. Uh, and Ryu, for that matter. I, I, I don't I, know if he made the roster. He never, did, he never made the roster. Yeah, he's off the he roster. He did make the roster. Yeah. Wow. Wow. I, 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 that surprised me a little yeah, bit. Yeah, me too. Um, just, you know, we, we, we've seen that. <laughs> Twins uh, had a great year. Uh, versus the Detroit Tigers this year, they were something like 5-8. and eight. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't make a lot of sense until you saw how the Tigers ended up using their pitchers. They used uh, a lot of their long 
left-handed long relievers in the same way you're talking about using Kikuchi. Yeah. That they would, you know, the Twins might get a get a couple runs in the first, second, or third, but you know, suddenly innings five, six, seven, they can't get anything done because they got a left-handed pitcher in there, and it also encourages Baldelli, who likes to swap players out, to mm-hmm. bring out to, uh, to substitute for some of his left-handed hitters. Which means now you've got right-handed hitters facing, you know, Romano or Hicks or you know Swanson late in game. Garcia. That, 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 yeah, exactly. Right. You know, you've got some, you've got some real options there. If, if, if do that, if if they do do that, if they bring Kikuchi into those middle innings, it'll be interesting to see how what Baldelli does. Mm-hmm. He has generally played matchups on this, but I wonder if he'll be hesitant to, given you know some of the right-handed power arms that are behind in that bullpen. Yeah, for sure. Uh, one last one for you, uh, John. What did you make, and how impressed with you uh, were you with the uh, Minnesota Twins bullpen last night? Well, that was nice. I, you know, the, uh, the truth is, is that the Twins bullpen was probably the Twins' number one concern as early as beginning of September, you know, mm-hmm. just a month ago. Yeah. Uh, at the trade deadline, they did not really make any big moves to improve their bullpen. A lot of people are real disappointed with that. What we've seen since, you know, in September is they've taken a number of their pitchers who were in the minors as starters or people who were in starting roles and sort of switched them into long relief roles or even short relief roles. You saw one of them last night, Louis Varland, who came in to help out Pablo, to take take over Pablo Lopez. He started... I don't know, half a dozen, maybe a dozen games for the Twins earlier this year. Then he went back down to St. Paul, and in September they switched him to long relief. Uh, you know, Fieldbar has been pretty pretty reliable all year. Jax has been up and down, but pretty reliable. Duran has been fantastic. Yep. It's just the way he is. Um, <laughs> but, good. you know, I think Kenta Maeda, you know, starting pitcher for most of the year, he could end up in the role similar to Kikuchi, mm-hmm. somebody that – Say tomorrow, Joe Ryan, with he was mostly a fastball pitcher, comes in, throws three, four innings. Now bring in Maeda, and they're both right-handed, but Maeda's yeah. bendy stuff everywhere. You know, very different look than Ryan. Um, uh, you know, they've got back Chris Paddock from yes. uh, Tommy John surgery. Yep. He's suddenly in the bullpen. They, they've got a lot of names like that. Uh, options are there for both teams. We'll see how they are implemented today. Hey, John, enjoy the game today. Um, maybe there will be a game three. Who knows? Uh, Jays fans want it. I'm sure you guys and many don't want it. <laughs> well, I'm sure we don't. Uh, it might make for an interesting uh, hell of a game, though. I, it, I, yesterday's game was a great game. I'm yeah. looking forward to another great game today. And if God wills it, a great game tomorrow. Just a quick question. Uh, if the other series are decided in two games, and let's just say for argument's sake that the Jays uh, win today, and that's the only series going, will that game that game gets flipped to the night game? to At night? Yeah, that's my understanding. Okay. My understanding is that although the games are right now scheduled for, you know, the time they're scheduled for, yeah. if they end up having only one or two games, they'll, they'll be moved to prime time. All right. Hey, John, thanks for this. Uh, enjoy the game today and uh, the rest of the playoffs for the Twins. Appreciate your time. Thanks, John. Nice to talk to you guys. Bye-bye. That's John Bonus, Twins Daily, uh, for our playoff report by Mr. Lube. Um, be winner ready at mrlube.com at any of our nine locations in Edmonton. Man, it's going to be an interesting afternoon again.
Right. I mean, a couple of errands, then right home, eh, Duke? 238 first pitch. <laughs> the Duke is, you're not missing any of this one, are you? All my uh, post-show work uh, was done in haste yesterday. Yeah. Not Never sacrificing quality, of course, as I chop up some social clips uh, from the show and whatnot. But it'll be the same thing again today. Uh, buzzing my way home as quickly as I can to catch first pitch, ho- first uh, pitch hopefully. Yeah, and Schlemmer, same with you? Absolutely. Do or die. I like... Uh, I like your game plan. I, I think it's a great game plan. <laughs> I do. So, I mean, again, There's if, no tomorrow if, right if now. Barrios doesn't pitch well, say uh, if he's not lights out and he's in a little bit of trouble, don't go to Bassett. Yeah. Go to Yusei Kikuchi. If it's the second inning, whatever it is, maybe it's the third, maybe it's the fourth, go to Kikuchi. Get all those left-handed bats out of the lineup. Make Rocco Baldelli uh, force his hand. And then, worst-case scenario, Maybe you have to go to Bassett after. Maybe Bassett comes in and, and pitches the last five innings, four innings, whatever. Worry about tomorrow. Uh, tomorrow. When I like we, it. Yeah, when we come out back at the top of the hour, an old, I, guess, I don't know how close you guys were, but I'm sure he said your name many, many times. Matt Laughlin at 10 o'clock, New Jersey Devils play-by-play man, where uh, David Schlemko played one season, right? Yeah, just one. Just one. Oh, so there's... We should have probably asked Matt. There's got to be an archive, a library of all the, the hits, the the goals, the fights, everything. <laughs> Matt Laughlin, the the David Schlemko archive in New Jersey. Lots of them, not a uh, couple. I had my career high in goals. In <laughs> hey, all right. Well, I mean, six, but <laughs> maybe, maybe Matt Laughlin's going to have. Uh, uh, maybe he can give us a recreation of one of those goals. Play by play call. Then at ten twenty, Patrick LaForge, former president, CEO of the Edmonton Oilers, to talk about the twentieth anniversary of the two thousand three. Heritage Classic at Commonwealth Stadium. Man, uh, what a day that was uh, with the uh, alumni game and then uh, the game that followed. Uh, it was like, you know, eight hours of just frigid conditions and people loved every uh, minute of it. Uh, little open time, Ilya Brzgalov talk with David Schlemko when we come back on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. All right, welcome back to the big program. Uh, alongside David Schlemko, our co-host, uh, Wednesday's... 9 to 11, powered by Cougar Paint and Collision. Our family helping your family for over 40 years. CougarCollision.com. So, Duke, was that, was that song for Ilya Brizgalov, who we're going to talk about with Schlemmer here? Was that the Space Cowboy? No, uh, no, of no? course not. That was just a, a happy accident, right? Yeah, whatever, Duke. So, uh, Schlemmer, you brought him up. Ilya Brizgalov, yep. you played one year. You were a rookie in Arizona? Yeah, it was my first full year. Um you know, you always think goalies are a little bit on the weird side, but this took it to uh, the full extreme, <laughs> you might say. Uh, definitely willing to talk about pretty much anything but hockey, this man. So you guys had conversations. Um, how did they go? I mean, you're sitting in the room after practice. Uh, he's kind of probably staring out into space a little bit, and then something gets brought up, and you guys elaborate on that subject. How did it go? You know what? He's actually a very smart guy. He is. Um, he's willing to talk about politics, science, the world. Like I said, just anything but hockey. Um, I remember sitting in the players' lounge before games. He'd be sitting on one of the computers on some Russian website, just yeah. reading some weird article. It's like half an hour before we're going out for warm-ups, and I don't know. He, he got the job done. That's just he's just a quirky guy. Well, he got the job done that year. He was outstanding that, that yeah. season. So how much of a backbone was he on that team for you in your rookie season? He was really good. Um, 
he's really good at stopping the puck. Like I said, he was brutal at playing it. Uh, <laughs> he'd be lucky if he could get out and stop a rim for you. So he'd, he'd have to eat a couple of hits mm-hmm. going back to retrieve pucks. But he was uh, he was very good at stopping the puck, definitely. Um, that season after, then he signed in Philadelphia. And a monster contract. He signed he, he after the year. Okay, first of all, in Phoenix that year because it was back. It was still Phoenix. He had a two point four eight goals against average. Played almost all the games, sixty eight games. Uh, you also had Jason LaBarbera as your backup. Uh, really nice guy, good guy too. One of the best. One of the best for sure. Uh, but he uh, Brizgalov carried the mail. But so then he after that contract that he uh, or after his career uh, in in Arizona, he signs the monster contract in Philadelphia because he's he's the number one goalie really that's on the free agent market. So he signed a nine year fifty one million dollar deal to play in Philadelphia, and they think. They got their guy, finally. <laughs> because they haven't had a guy in Philadelphia, <laughs> and they probably still haven't. I mean, if you think Carter Hart's the guy, I don't know. Still I, yet to Carter be proven. Hart's really good. He is good, but yeah. it's still proven. He's still yet to prove that he can be the guy. Fair enough. They haven't had a guy since Ron Hextall in Philadelphia. Right. So, anyway, massive contract. Nine years. Uh, $51 million, uh, cap hit of 5.6 million. Now it didn't work out for him there. Uh, it sure didn't. What do you get bought out a couple years in? Yeah. The contract uh, was signed in 2011. He was bought out in 2013, just two years. Uh, I don't know if the, it's almost like they're still paying on that contract. I was going to say, he's probably it, still getting buyout payments. I think, it's just, I think it just ended a couple of years ago. Um, oh, okay. But anyway, then, so now he's he's kind of out there, right? And he ends up here. Right. He signs with the Oilers <laughs> for a year, and he plays with the Oilers. Craig McTavish signed Ilya Brzezgalov to a, a one-year contract, and that was worth a couple of million dollars. Uh, his time here, he only played 20 games. Uh, I don't know. How Didn't, was he here? I don't. I, I, I don't really remember. He wasn't I was very playing. good here. He, no. he he wasn't very good here at that in that season. None of the Oilers were any good at that time. Um, it was 2013-2014. He played 20 games on that Oilers roster that year. Uh, that was a one of the that was a Dallas Aiken season. Okay. So okay, yeah, I, mean, I remember that one. You're basically looking at you know with Taylor Hall and Eberle and guys like that. So anyway. Uh, would that be a guy that you would, if he, I'm assuming you haven't spoken to him for a, for a while? No. <laughs> so what would happen if all of a sudden Breezer shot you off a text and said, hey, Schlemmer, what are you doing? Can we uh, have a little chit-chat here? I mean, how, what would that conversation be like? Oh, I'd love to. Yeah. I'm sure it would be intriguing. I couldn't even tell you what he would want to talk about. I'm sure he's got a whole new arsenal of <laughs> so, things to ramble on about. What? Yeah, what was the line, uh, Duke... Uh, he had a line that said something about, and where where did he say that that line about the cosmos or whatever? Well, yeah, it was during the lead up to a Winter Classic. Uh, I don't know if it was his first season in Philly or shortly thereafter uh, when he was with the Flyers. Um, and the interview was like his coach Peter Lavelle that was talking about him, how he's you know kind of a bit of an odd guy, and then it just cuts to Breeze Galov saying like he's really into the universe right now, and how you know crazy humongous big the the galaxy is and all this stuff. So it was entertaining, and that uh, HBO twenty four seven programming did really well, I think, because they would do it. Uh, it was since it was on HBO, it was like unfiltered. You had 
episodes of Bruce Boudreaux dropping F-bombs everywhere and stuff. I, I would love to see them bring something like that back, um, you know, probably a little too little too late for, say, mm-hmm. the Heritage Classic. But for all these other games they do and big, um, big programming and hype, I'd love to see something like that again. I would too. That was a great show. Bruce Boudreaux. That, <laughs> I remember wanting to get an ice cream at the mall with his wife at like 9 a.m. <laughs> oh, that, he's a classic guy. Gregor had him on his show a couple weeks ago, right? Seems like a beauty. Yeah, I, don't know I all, mean, but. he's good friends with a guy. Well, that, you know, Bruce Hardy. Bruce Hardy, who's at the Glendale where you golf. Bruce yep. Hardy, uh, great assistant pro, great guy. Uh, the two of them played together in Germany. Oh, really? Yeah. Bruce, big that. Bruce Hardy was a power forward, man. You wouldn't want to mess with him on the golf course or in the corners if he ever big saw play. one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's a big guy. Yeah, for sure. I, You know, he used to come out to the media skates and the alumni skates. And uh, I remember one year, years ago, you were still playing, but probably about 15 years ago, we used to do the quick card minor hockey kind of kind of kick off yeah. uh, quick card minor hockey so the Oilers alumni would bring out guys and then we would have the media guys and we would play them and the media guys just mopped the floor with the, all the alumni guys this one year. They didn't oh, bring, yeah? yes, they didn't Are bring. Sure it, the, oh, I know for a fact because I'll tell you what happened. The media, the alumni guys were so mad, they were so pissed off that the next year they brought out some players. They brought out like. Wally Schreiber, and they brought out all these guys, and they probably beat us by 15, 20 goals. Brought out the ringers. Yeah. They, I think, you know, they, they had a poor lineup that one year, but uh, the next year was uh, just a total demolishing of the media. And now, I mean, we don't get to do those games anymore. Hopefully we can do it this year. Uh, text coming in to one 1440 uh, Ed, who's always hating, Brisgolov had a career 9.12 save percentage at a 9.08 with the Oilers, so we would take that all day. Those numbers are fair, and that's a fair comment uh, at that point. Yeah. He didn't play. I mean, a lot of those numbers were uh, in Arizona, uh, so Philadelphia, the numbers weren't there. Um, that's Dave Tippett hockey, that too. Is, yes, way different, huh? That's a little different. Explain that. Um, it's just really structured. Um, it's simple dumbed down it's not quite like daryl sutter hockey but um it's definitely defense first and not giving up much mm-hmm. breeze was a soundbite dream bah ha 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 that comes uh oh no that's you sorry uh <laughs> sorry duke i was reading the wrong one uh why you have to be mad he's a nice guy breeze on prongers return to edmonton what was that one do you remember that one Duke? Well, this was when uh, Breeze was still with Anaheim, obviously, the season um, where Pronger had been flipped over. The Ducks go on to win that cup yeah. that year, but in that first return back oh, here, the game. They, uh, the, I believe the Edmonton media was asking him about it, and he just said, like, yeah, why do you have to be mad? It's, on, it's only game. Like, it, uh, <laughs> so... Uh. Yeah, sorry, I read the the bottom one. I had to. I wasn't paying attention. Yeah, to I like to send uh, send some replies yeah. if I can to everybody texting in. We always appreciate you interacting with the show. It makes our mornings a lot more fun and enjoyable. So send us a text, even if it's about uh, a whole lot of nothing. We appreciate it nonetheless. There are a lot of whole not a lot of nothing texts. A lot of them sometimes. <laughs> sorry to our listeners that text in, but sometimes we can't understand them. I mean, they're typing them in. I honestly, I can't. I'm, I can't read them. I can't even under. Like the the spelling is off, and you know, sorry, guys have been cutting me, Duke too. That, <laughs> that one guy was it last week? He was all over me. Well, that was last Wednesday, Schlemmer, right? Yeah, we, I, I kind of went off on that guy. Well, Chon- well, yeah, that guy was after you about 
your relationship oh, with, with Quinn, Phillips, but yes. then one day oh, we had, I think it was right. Chomsker's, a regular texture of yeah. every show. We see him during the, the fantasy show as well, but yeah, he was just raking you and I over the coals yeah. that one day. And I, I mean, don't mind I, coming I back at these guys. Yeah, I think it was in a friendly, friendly banter type yeah. manner, but yeah, we'll take it any way, uh, any way it comes. If you're not happy with the job I'm doing, let me know. Because I'll let you know about the job you're doing as well. You can shell it back. Yeah, there, why Kev? not? For sure. Uh, when we come back, we will check in with uh, David Schlemko's old play-by-play uh, men. One of them, anyway, one of them in uh, New Jersey. Matt Laughlin plus Patrick LaForge uh, at 1020 to talk about the Heritage Classic 20 years ago at Commonwealth Stadium. Uh, first up, here's the Duke with a sports update.